Here we go. If you would, open your Bibles with me in the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 as we continue the series we started last week on the vision of our church. Who you are leads to what we do. And so in light of who we are, FBCBA exists to reach BA and beyond by multiplying disciples to follow Jesus. We want to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples to follow Jesus. As a result of that, then what do we do? What does that look like in our everyday lives? And so we biblically say, you know, that consists of about five things. So last week we talked about how we want to engage in a worship service, both here or online to the thousands. We, we understand that you and I were made for worship, to participate, to be involved in a life given in direction toward God. We also want to be in a group, invest in a few, make an impact, and then give it away. So with every fiber in my being... From the biblical text in Acts chapter 2, I want to inspire and challenge you to give your life to be in a group. Why? Because we long to belong. That's why. Sociologists tell us that there are appreciable values of being in a group. People who are a part of a group, a part of a team, a part of something bigger than themselves, they are categorically more content in their life. They're more confident in how they interact in life, and they're also exceedingly more joyful. Why? Because we long to belong. That's why. We were created for community and thus need community. As the scriptures say in Genesis 2, 18, it is not good for man to be alone. So in light of that biblical truth, you have the author Luke, probably the most profound historian in all of antiquity, detailing to us what the early church did. He gives to us in Acts 2, verse 42, the details and the goals of the Pentecost experience. He conveys the spirit-empowered, biblical gospel-centered, spirit-filled, God-glorifying lifestyles of the followers of Christ in the early church. You will find that in light of all that was going in and around them, they did not give their lives to many things, but to four things. And they ultimately changed the world. In like manner, God has so gathered us here, not to just celebrate His goodness, through lifting up Jesus Christ in the study of the scriptures and being focused on his mission collectively together in this room, but going out through Sunday school in small groups that will one day soon be available every single day of the week all throughout the Tulsa Metro area by God's grace. Hundreds and hundreds of groups, thousands upon thousands of people gathering around the Word of God, celebrating what He has done in and for us through Jesus Christ, holding each other accountable, encouraging, inspiring, and multiplying one another to be everything that God through Jesus Christ has called us to be. You have to be in a group. With that in mind, why don't we study indefinitely this morning, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And your Bible says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. God's people, the moment that God came upon them through Jesus Christ, the moment now the Holy Spirit is inside of them, indwelling their lives, devoted themselves not to many things but to four things. The word devoted there is significant in the New Testament. It only appears ten times. Six of those times in the book of Acts. It describes someone biblically who is diligent, single-minded in their perseverance to give themselves fully to something. It it can mean contextually that they were face-to-face, 
preserving and persisting with one another. They did not give up. They would not give up. They could not give up in light of what God has done for them. I'll remind you that in the teachings of Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 31, you remember what he says? If you abide in my word, then truly you are my disciples. And so God's people devoted themselves to these four things. They did not stop. And the world has never been the same since. Do you want your life to matter? Then choose devotions that matter to God. Self-devotion and self-promotion consumes our culture. Now, you're not surprised by this. I mean, did you realize that as a result of what we're devoting to, that this is the result of a life? In fact, did you realize that the average adult in America spends five hours and 40 minutes a day on a cell phone? Five hours and 40 minutes a day. The average teenager who will, by God's grace and prayerfully, go to school next week, praise God, right? Spend nine hours a day on social media. Nine hours a day liking, tweeting, sharing content. Consequently, yes, we're devoting our life to many things, but are we missing the main thing? Andy Stanley said it well when he said, devoting a little of yourself to everything means committing a great deal of yourself to nothing. God's people in the early church, they had many options, many ways in which they could devote their time and resources. They devoted their lives not to many things, but just to four things. And like men are by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit, may we do the same. For tomorrow's impact depends upon today's devotions. May we be devoted to what God says matters most. For the early church, it was simply and profoundly about four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And they devoted themselves, your Bible says, to the apostles' teaching. The Bible is our infallible standard for faith, doctrine, and practice. As Jesus profoundly said at the end of the Great Commission, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I mean, literally the most profound thing that I say to you each and every Sunday is open your Bibles and the God takes care of the rest. God creates for himself a people through two things in the scriptures, Jesus and his word. You were made by God to live for God. All of life then is about a king, a king who knew it was impossible for you to work your way to him. So he came for you. And thus, the moment that you give your life to King Jesus, the riches and spoils and benefits of his kingdom in totality are yours. As a result of that, God gathers us together to lift up his son through his word, the revealed will of God himself. It was the teaching of the word of God that was the center and source of the congregation's life in the book of Acts. Thus, our church and all groups, Sunday school and small groups, are to be a place where the revealed truth of the infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, spirit-inspired Word of God is prioritized and proclaimed and studied, applied and obeyed in our lives. It's the only means necessary to accomplish that end. In light of that, this apostle's teaching is fascinating. It consisted of the entire Old Testament, all 39 books. 
It also consisted of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. Now, I'll remind you that in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 1,934 separate quotations of Jesus in the Gospels. This is a profound amount of material that they studied and gave their lives to. It would also be the ethical and practical, gospel-centered teachings of the apostles themselves. In fact, did you realize that the book of Acts, one of the longest books in the entire Bible, 25% of its content was preaching. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now this, this word here is fascinating. It is verbal instruction and truth, are you ready for this? Taught by a lifestyle. The intent of God's people in his church from their inception was not Bible study, but Bible living. The apostles created a culture where believers continually learned and discussed and obeyed and applied God's word in their homes, in workplaces, in spheres of influences. They set up a structure and systems to, yes, corporately study the Word of God, but then to obediently and apply that in smaller, smaller groups, mainly in their homes. And the world has never been the same since. In like manner, we desire the same for you. That as we have an opportunity to gather corporately and study the Word of God, it is the center of everything we do, is upon Jesus Christ, our King. But then everything consequently as a result of that is driven by the Word and focused on mission. It is best applied through, yes, studying the Scriptures together. But also as we go larger and larger and larger, we must be intentional about going smaller and smaller and smaller. Studying and being driven by the Word of God in Sunday school and small groups. In fact, to that vein, I want to give you four ways. Four ways that we can be a Bible-living group. Four primary things. One, we've got to read the Bible at least ten minutes a day. We've got to give God I mean, our first and our best. So I've always said, look, that's right about ten minutes. Now, for some of us in this room, it's way more than that. But hey, we've got to start somewhere. And so grab a cup of coffee, grab a Chick-fil-A biscuit, man, give God the first part of your day and the best part of your day. I, I heard a great theologian say one time that if you'll give God one hour of your day, he'll take care of the rest of your life. It's good advice. It really is. But some of us, we've got to build to that point. And so in light of that, 10 minutes a day, we are engaging the Word of God and thus the God of the Word. We're not just reading to read. We're understanding, okay, what what is the context here? What are significant words that stand out? Where are the nouns? Where are the verbs? In light of that, secondly, we commit then to follow God's word in your reading. That there is a commitment in our minds to live out God's word in our lives. Thirdly then, we will act on our commitment each day. Is there a command that we are to adhere to? Is there a warning that, whoa, hey, may want to avoid that. Is there an example to do by someone? Or an example, don't ever do this. Terrible. Don't do it. Finally, we tell one person a day how God's Word is changing your life. Now, sociologists tell us that if you just hear something, even if it's incredible, I mean, just off the chains, bananas, there's about 
a 33% chance in 24 hours you're going to forget it. It's gone. Gone forever. However, if you hear something and then write it down, there's just under a 60% chance that that'll stay with you about a week. But if you hear something, write it down and then apply it to your life. Share it with someone else. That truth, are you ready for this? 90% chance it's going to stick. 90% chance. See that historically with God's people. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the world has never been the same since. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, and to the fellowship. And to the fellowship. Now notice fellowship was the natural result of the Spirit coming upon God's people. The church and groups are God's intended context for life change and a shared life. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, hey, we're, we, we understand fellowship. We're, we're, we're Baptists, right? Do you have any idea the profound intent of what this word means? It doesn't just mean fried chicken and Jesus. I mean, it should, but it doesn't, right? It means here a mutual commitment. There's the word. To a shared life. That's what this word means. They were mutually committed to sharing their lives with each other. It can mean a partnership with a common goal. Now here's something fascinating. This word, kononia, it doesn't appear one time in the Gospels. It is not mentioned of Jesus' ministry at all in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is only found once in the entire book of Acts, right here. However, every time kononia is used in the New Testament, it denotes a deep abiding unity of thought, purpose, generosity, and benevolence toward others. Every single time. That's why it just can't be fried chicken and Jesus. It is so much more. It is a deep abiding unity that we will adhere to the Word of God. Our thoughts are His, driven by the Scriptures. A deep abiding unity of purpose. We live for Him. We are here to build God's kingdom, not our own. A deep abiding unity to generosity. Life isn't about us. It's not in the accumulation of things. But rather using every gift that God has given us to point as many people as possible to the giver. A deep, abiding unity of benevolence toward others. Of placing Jesus and others above ourselves. They were committed, devoted to these things. Which means spirit-led disciples are inescapably dependent upon Jesus and fellowship. The only way that we can do this, the only way this makes sense, is that one, we inescapably depend upon Jesus. Lord, you're our king, you're our savior, every aspect of our lives, we need you. So much so that you live within us through the Holy Spirit. And oh yeah, by the way, give us friends. Give us fellowship with one another. People who can tell us not just what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. That can be with us in the high times and the low times. Because I don't know about you, but life happening. A lot going on, okay? We need Jesus and each other. You want to know why? Because we were made in the image of God, that's why. 
we were made as the crowning achievement of God's creation. And God is by nature communal. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as a result of God the Holy Spirit coming upon His people in the book of Acts, it ignited a new way that once and for all God would fellowship with His people. Instead of once a year in a temple under the Old Testament sacrificial systems. What a beating. Now God dwells by faith in the hearts of His people through the Holy Spirit. He's Christ in you, Paul says. The hope the confident expectation of what is to come, of glory. Jesus is in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and in you as God's people. Therefore, fellowship is key to apply God's truth in a personal and practical way. For the Bible conveys the Christian life as pursuing Christ-likeness. Are you ready for this? Sharing our lives with one another through actively encouraging one another to holiness and faithfulness. I mean, no wonder then, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And to thirdly, the breaking of bread. Now, this is an... An interesting term, specifically for our, you know, carb lovers in the audience, right? It's of a term that's used only twice in the New Testament. Here, in Luke chapter 24, verse 35, it's grammatically linked to fellowship. It is two sides of the same buffet, if you will. It conveys here more than just a broad sharing of meals, but regularly observing and celebrating The Lord's Supper. The early church gathered together around a meal. Not to just talk about what they do or didn't do, but in what Jesus Christ has already done. That's the point. You see, historically, synagogues were not only places of religious assembly, but were also community centers, including a dining hall for travelers. In fact, at a main meal, Christians will begin by breaking bread and drinking wine in remembrance of the Lord's Supper. Now, we're Baptists, we don't do that. So, you know, we substitute grape juice or Mountain Dew or I don't know. I mean, you get the point, right? I mean, they gathered together around this meal. And before they had this agape supper, usually in their homes afterward, they would take a part of it and they would grab bread. Probably the only bread that they would have that entire week. And they would share it together and say, take, eat, each of you. For this is my body that will be broken for the forgiveness of your sins. And they did. And then believers then would take a cup. They would say, take, drink, each of you. For this will be a sign that shall be given for the forgiveness of all sins. Who places their full faith and trust. Not in their life. Not in some things, but someone, Jesus Christ. And then they would over good food and a great Savior. They would then discuss what God had done and what he was doing in their lives through Jesus Christ. I mean, can can I tell you never to underestimate the the beautiful equation of good food and a great Savior? In fact, contextually, did you realize that sitting at a table was the universal symbol of friendship in the ancient world? I mean, are we taking advantage of this heavenly equation of Jesus, bacon, and chocolate? 
Are we using it as an opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ? I heard of a story last week of a woman in Texas who had turned 104 years old. And, and hey, you know, you know, news may be a little sparse in that part of Dallas. And so they went and interviewed this lady and they said, what's the key to life? You're 104 years old. What's the key to making it this long? And this lady was a believer. She mentioned Jesus multiple times in this interview. And she said, well, I found in my 104 years I've done the same two things every day for over 90 years. And so that kind of piqued my interest. I mean, wow, 90 years she's been doing this. You ready for this? She says, I place my faith in God and I drink Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Three times a day this woman drinks Dr. Pepper. For over 90 years she's been lifting up Jesus and drinking Dr. Pepper. That's just, that's just a wise woman right there, right? You know, church, I, I can't help but think what God is doing in your life that's sweet that you can use to communicate the sweetness of our Savior. I can't help but think all of the good things that God has blessed you with, that you have an opportunity to bless others with an even greater Savior. You see, a disciple believes the gospel genuinely only when they show the gospel generously. We have a friend in Jesus. So we can take our friends to Jesus. What is it this week that God has blessed you with that's so, so good? That you in turn can bless someone else and point them to an even greater Savior. What is it? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and finally, to the prayers. Individual and corporate prayer defined the life of believers in the book of Acts. In fact, did you realize 25 separate times in Acts, God's people are gathering together specifically to pray, to fulfill the mission that God has given the church. You say, well, what is prayer? Prayer is where we give our complete plans to God's total control. Prayer is a God-led conversation. When we approach God daily, minute by minute sometimes, in awe and praise, and acknowledge God's control over all things. God, this is crazy, bananas, out of control, but you're in control. We then ask God to meet our needs, to help us depend upon Him as we love Him and love others. Prayer is where we give our complete Plans to God's total control. It's not us changing God's mind. But yet God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, renewing our minds, encouraging our hearts to empower our lives to follow Him. And that is why in verse 42, prayer speaks of both a specific corporate prayer, a gathering time that they weekly had with one another praying. And you know, I always wonder, you know, are we doing this enough? Are we gathering together enough on our knees before the Lord? Help. Thank you. You are wonderful. You are mighty. I'm overwhelmed by life. But I'm also overwhelmed by you. Praying corporately to the Lord. They also individually met 
in their homes, praying together for the will of God and the power of God and the blessing of God. No wonder the 19th century preacher Robert Murray McShine said it best when he said, What a man is alone on his knees before God, that he is. And I can say the same for our church. It will not be the might of this platform. It will not be the disbursement of gifts and programs and ministries for all ages. It will be whether enough we are humble enough to lift ourselves aside. And lift the Lord high. And fall on our knees. And say, God, we love you. And we need you. Remember what James says in James 4.10? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So with that in mind, who have you been lifting up lately, church? I mean, whose life is changed because of your prayers? In fact, let me more pointedly ask it. Whose life will change tomorrow because you prayed for them today? I mean, whose life will be forever impacted by Christ tomorrow because you prayed for them today? Whose life will be healed tomorrow because you're praying for them today? Who will have freedom tomorrow from addictions and worry and depression and all of these things that beset us in life because you prayed for them today? I can think of no better way to give your life and time to God's church and his people in a group, a Sunday school or small group. The people of Jesus, studying about Jesus, living for Jesus, sharing life with others and Jesus, and praying for one another to Jesus. There is nothing better, nothing sweeter, nothing more impacting, empowering in your life than Jesus and his people with you and for you. And may we, as we gather here in this place, collectively as thousands, to prayerfully reach tens of thousands. May we be humble enough to realize we need help. We need God and one another. And may humbly, may you be inspired and challenged to be a part of a group. A group of individuals collectively saying, we are better together than we are apart. Let's focus our lives on Jesus. Let's be driven by the word of God. And let's fulfill a mission for a king with everything we got. Until we go to him or he comes for us. Be in a group. Ready. Set. Go. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, as God, we leave this place. Lord, fulfill your mission. Center our lives upon Jesus. Father, we just pray right now. Lord, for wisdom and discernment, for blessing and favor, but God, for our resolve to be a part of a group. To be surrounded by people. Lord, who tell us, God, not what, we just want to hear, but what we need to hear. The Lord can love us in the high times and the low times. The Lord or a phone call or a text or an I am away. 
for help. Father, friends that are there because you're here, God. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, are you here today longing for something greater? Longing for something more in your life? Longing to belong. Can I tell you that each and every one of us in this room have had those same thoughts and those same desires? And can I tell you that we're humbly here today because we found that it's not in some things. It's not. But it's in someone. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you will today, right now, give your life completely to him. Change your mind to change your life. Place your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that the very thing that you long for, purpose and fulfillment, a longing desire for your life to count once and for all, can I tell you that God can give you that right now through Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, by God's grace we see this almost every service. If you're here today and you want to give your life completely to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand right now? No one looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you stand. I just want to pray for you and celebrate what God is doing in your life. Just raise your hand right now. I want to give my life completely to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand right now. If you're here and watching us online, would you grab out your phone and text Jesus right now to 45776? There is a team member ready to talk to you about Jesus right now. Type Jesus in the comment section. They're ready right now. Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. I want to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. Father, we do love you, and God, we celebrate, Lord, everything you're doing in our life and in our church. God, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together large groups of thousands and Lord, small, small, smaller groups. <laughs> Anywhere from, you know, 5 to 70. Lord, you're good and we love you. We thank you, God, for being a part of your church. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're overwhelmed, God, that you love us. Father, bless your people. Encourage and inspire your people to leave this place being a part of something greater than themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Sunday. Uh, hopefully some chocolate and fried chicken are in your future soon. Hopefully you have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon as we get out and live this week for Jesus. Two things. If you're here and you're saying, man, I'm interested in being a group. So you can do two things. One, you can text groups to 45776. Or right after this service, you can run out of here to our Connect Center in the atrium and say, look, I'm ready to be in a group. Now, we have about 50 of them in totality right now. It'd be a little bit overwhelming. So we've got team members ready to talk to you about what it's like, what it looks like, what groups are available right now to say, I want to be in a group. I think secondly, today is a day of history in the life of another church, Community Baptist Church in Coweta, about 20, 25 minutes this way. 
Uh, they were a satellite church of ours for eight years. They are, as of last week, their own autonomous church. Praise God. So excited. Well, they today, they have their launch Sunday. They're headed into their BOM, their multi-purpose room. It's brand new. It's spectacular. It's probably, arguably, man, one of the best worship rooms in that entire part of God's country up here. It, it's great. It's awesome. So we're excited. But I want to tell you, one, be praying for Community Baptist Church. Be praying for their teams. Be praying for their people. But also, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you for your faithfulness. I want to say thankful for you for your generosity. It was the people of First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow that overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly paid for almost every square foot of that property out there. Overwhelmingly. It was you and God through you, through your generosity. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being people of faith, for being people who understand that, that, hey, life isn't just about our church, but, but God's church, and how you generously just gave those resources, gave that property, gave those facilities to other brothers and sisters, a group of believers that God loves and we love. And so before we leave here, and hey, it's 11.55, we're going to meet the Methodists to lunch. All right. I want to pray and have a time of blessing for Community Baptist Church, but I also, I just, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving selflessly. And I'm telling you, God has been preparing us for what he has prepared for us. There is a dynamic vision coming for the hundred acres that God has blessed us here with Broken Arrow. Get ready. God is at work. And so until then, let's keep praying. Let's keep trusting the Lord. And before you leave here today, let me pray for you. And let me pray for this new beautiful church in Coweta, Community Baptist Church. God, we love you. And Father, we lift up, Lord, your people. And God, we God, are grateful to be a part of growing your kingdom. So Lord, just be with Community Baptist Church. Father, be with their staff and their teams and their leadership and their deacons and their people. God, may hundreds if not thousands of people accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as a result of your work in that place. God, thank you, Lord, for the chance to extend and expand, Lord, your mission through your people. Thank you, Father, for your generosity and kindness towards us. Thank you, God, for allowing us once again to see your faithfulness. And Lord, continue to prepare us for what you have prepared for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I love you. If I don't see you this week, I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great day.